Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show that we. Blah, 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 sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show we love. Ah, oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm not recording. Can we, Eric, will you uh, do the countdown again? <laughs> Welcome to Reengage. Where we rewatch TNG, a show we love when we were younger, and now re-engage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. In this episode, we loop back. Ah, shit! We're looping again. What's going on? A board. Season 5, Episode 18, Cause and Effect. Let's get our how you do's out of the way, Miss Kate. How you do? I do so well, especially after that opening. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. I'm so excited to talk about it. Eric, how you do? Uh, same. Great. I, I'd forgotten this episode existed until I started to recognize some of the lines and be able to predict what was coming next. Greg? I don't know if that was on purpose, but now I'm going to go with that it was and that you were getting a message from Data in the past. <laughs> yes, I sent it to myself, hoping that I would catch it in the loop. So I had to do it three times. Uh, this is Stardate 45652.1, air date, week of March 23rd, 1992. And straight from the Eeyore News Network, Greg, make a sound. <laughs> Well, I only got two things. One's slightly sad. Uh, but on March 25th, cosmonaut Sergei Krikalev returned to Earth after a 10-month stay aboard the Mir space station. I had forgotten about the Russian space station that was up for almost 10 years uh, prior to the International Space Station uh, that we know about a lot nowadays. Um, but it was a... Uh, amazing engineering feat for a long time and it brought me back to that idea of uh, hey we should be as a people trying to do things out in the exploration of space uh, and per not, perhaps not leave that to billionaires alone <laughs> um, on March 26th uh, follow up a little bit to a previous story Mr. Mike Tyson was sentenced to 10 years uh, for rape uh, and fuck him and uh, fuck he was not long enough. He should be in, should have been in jail longer. Um, but that's all I got for, for things. So slightly sad. I don't know. Kate, happy us up. All right. The number one song. We have a new number one. Uh, I'm just going to sing it to you for you. Sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes the sun goes round the moon. Just when I thought our chance had passed, 
You go and save the best for last. By the amazing wow. Vanessa Williams. Wow. Yeah. I just realized it had been a while since I'd sung, so you all got no. to hear my dulcet voice. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I can't <laughs> believe that was that late. I thought that was earlier. Oh, delightful. Yes, 92. And uh, in terms of the rest of pop culture, everything was pretty much the same as it has been in previous weeks, except for we do have a number one movie, and that is Basic Instinct, which I was not allowed to watch when it came out. I've never actually (laughs) seen Basic Instinct. Of course, I know many of the famous parts of it, but... Uh, I just was re- uh, someone was talking about DVDs and how packaging was so great because in the DVD packaging it actually just was blank and it had an ice pick in the package. <laughs> it is such a good movie, Greg. You owe it to yourself to watch that. All right, on the list. Just just for Michael Douglas wearing a sweater to the club. <laughs> <laughs> he is all of us in that, in that yes. moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's all in pop culture world. Do 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 pop culture. Wow. All right. Kate did this her warm episode ups. was written by Brandon Braga and directed by Jonathan Frakes. Ooh. Mr. Oh, Frakes no. did this one. Oh, Mr. Nice. Frakes did it. And I gotta tell you, I feel like um I could feel it, I, I could see his hands on it. We'll talk about that throughout the episode. Uh, from the Nemesic Files, um, we get to see one Mr. Kelsey Grammer, who was the third Cheers uh, alum to join the Trekverse. Of course, we had Christy Alley was our first one in Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Kirsty. And B.B. Newworth, uh, Kirsty Alley, thank you, uh, <laughs> who joined us in um, First Contact. So he was the third one. Um, the staff actually wanted Kirstie Alley to be in that final scene with Kelsey Grammer as his number one, but their uh, schedules just didn't line up. Thank so God. She couldn't, be, uh, she couldn't join the cast. Um, and the, the, the miniature we see of uh, the Bozeman, which is Grammer's ship, is actually the miniature of the Reliant uh, used uh. in um, Wrath of Khan. And uh, the interior shots were uh, the the same ship that they used in um, Star Trek Six. Yes, uh, the Undiscovered Country. So a lot of repurposed uh, pieces for that one forty second <laughs> scene uh, at the end of the episode. And the uniforms um, too. I loved how they they, they reused uniforms. Yeah. That was Captain Kirk's you know, uniform. And that costume, you know, they were sitting right there on the lot still from having just finished uh, the the Undiscovered Country like a year before. Um, And this is the very first episode where we ever see the gigantic um, main shuttle bay uh, that's in the back of the ship. And this is, you know, the thing that at the end of the episode really plays a big deal. Um, And uh, you can't see it. In uh, uh, in the episode is much too small, but the name of the two ships that were parked in the shuttle bay were the Berman and the Pillar, who are oh. two of our uh, most uh, are very uh, strong contributors to the TNG writing staff. Um, and uh, another thing you might not have been able to see unless you blew up the screen was when uh, Crusher accesses Jordy's uh, medical files. Um, we briefly see that he actually has been treated for headaches in the past caused by the common cold, 
which is only important for trivia geeks because Crusher does mention in the episode The Battle that uh, they have gotten rid of the common cold long ago. Uh, it is nothing to worry about. And that is all from the Nimixic files. Eric, what about this supporting cast? Well, we have uh, our medical base staff, which we've seen in no fewer than 16 episodes before, so we're not going to go into it. And <clears throat> we have the aforementioned MAGA uh, grammar, who all he had to do was shut his fucking gob, and uh, he'd still have all of our uh, goodwill, I think. Um, but no, he's going to vote for the guy again. Um, the uh, stunt casting, I'm just going to take a moment instead of talking about his very famous career, all of which we've seen. <laughs> Stunt casting pisses me the fuck off. It is pointless and stupid. It's as bad as when Christian Slater showed up in since his mom uh, was the casting director on uh, that particular season as well. It's so dumb. It is jarring. You don't pay any attention to the fucking words coming out of his mouth because you're like, that's fucking Frasier. Oh, isn't that the star of Down Periscope, you think to yourself? Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, honestly, it, like this, this particular one reads to me like that moment in Passengers, if you've watched it, where you've watched an entire two and a half hour movie and suddenly fucking Andy Garcia shows up walking through the, the room with no lines. Like it's just so ridiculously uh, uh, distracting that I have nothing good to say about it. And I'm still going to give the episode a 10 at the end. So that's all we have to talk about with the guest stars. All right. So let's crack this one open in our opening scene. The first thing we see is a starboard nacelle smoking, heightened emotions, and then the Enterprise goes boom. We are in the shit. Bold type, all caps, exclamation point. What did you guys think about this uh this this Medeus Res as uh, <laughs> Horace called it? Greg. Uh, it's it's fantastic. You get right into it. You never see a ship in danger like this. Uh to me it's when Riker calls for them all to go to the escape pods. I'm like Shit, there's escape pods? We've never even seen the escape pods because all the crap that they've been through, they've never once called for that. Uh, and then having Picard's abandoned ship right before it blows up, it's very tense. I like it. And I only got annoyed by hearing these exact same lines, you know, till the by the end of the episode. <laughs> but this first part, I was like, yes, I'm in. It was pretty much right when he says, all hands, abandon ship, all hands, abandon, where I went, I remember this one. And it was perfect. Oh, I was so happy. It's just so rare that we start in peril and in the middle of a story. And as a storyteller, I always love coming in in the middle of a story. Um, and not even at the middle of a story, at the end of a story, right? Like, yeah. we know that shit has gone down, that we are not, prev you know, like, we don't know about yet. And I just, it's so, it's, I want to know if it's the shortest opening that we have, because it's very short, right? Like, yeah. you go to those opening credits really quickly, and it just kind of gut punches you, and then gives you the credits to sort of figure out what the fuck just happened. 
Yeah, I agree. It was very exciting. And when I was doing my research of this, that's where I came across that term, Medias Res, which I had never heard of, which was uh, Horace had come up with this term. It means in the middle of things. Uh, and Aristotle actually uh, broke this open when he was reviewing um, uh, 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 the one about the Iliad, that the, what the Iliad was based on. And it's actually one of the oldest identified tropes of starting the action in the middle of um, something that's already happened. So there's clearly something that happened before just to get the audience to think what the heck just happened. So it's interesting that you brought it up, uh, Kate, that we haven't seen this before because we haven't on, on TNG, but this is an old ass trope that uh, took me by surprise. Of course, I did not remember anything about this episode. <laughs> so it was a pleasure to experience it for the first time again. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, terribly exciting uh, to see it just blow up. Uh, and like you said, we go to credits. And then when we return from credits, everything is fine. Um, and this is sort of looped in a play off of what Greg said about being annoyed about, oh, I'm going to hear this a bunch of times. Because we do see the same, um, like, mainly three kind of scenes, the poker scene, Bev, um, we revisit uh, uh, the ready room and Picard and engineering. So we have about eight different or four different scenes we visit two or three times. Here lines almost the same, but they're they're never exactly the same, um, and they're never shot exactly the same. So they all have something a little bit different, um, which I didn't catch on to right away. But so we return from uh, uh, the, the credits. We're playing some poker. Uh, in very important, Riker uh, questions Data's shuffling and if he's being honest with it, uh, which Data assures him he is. Uh, and uh, Bev calls his uh, Riker's bluff. Riker's bluffing uh, hard, so man. He is he is trying to buy hard. that pot, and it does not he work. Have shit. He doesn't have shit. Yeah, no. He was he was just playing her along, trying to trying to be blustery, which I love. Uh, I love also that it's so such a calm scene after what we had just experienced like it's very much a well then because we're in media res we're just like well what how did we get here what's going on and so we're immediately looking for clues or at least i was as an audience member trying to be like well what how does this pertain to what we just saw and that puts the tone for the entire episode uh it's what the characters are doing it's what we as the audience are doing it's really it's really well well played right eric go ahead this is the second episode in a row where people are a little uh, chippy in the poker situation where uh, fucking Jordy admits to cheating last episode. And then this one, you get Riker <laughs> going, it's better be lucky than good. And I'm like, Riker, that's how you right. get smacked, man. Right. <clears throat> just my take favorite part beat. is just <laughs> my favorite part is Worf just saying. He does not have a straight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Data, was it this scene or later? Where he's like, uh, on the second go around, when he gives him like a six or a four, he's like, it doesn't help the Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> you still no help for the Klingon. <laughs> uh, and so I Which Worf notes. Uh, Worf's, Worf's like, what you call me? <laughs> Listen, I'll break you, Andrew. Um, Don't I, make me get thrown into a wall. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, when we came back, I was like, okay, now we're going to see how we got to where we were. Mm. Like, I wasn't caught up yet with, like, I had no idea that we were, this was a loop for this first scene at all. Yeah, I love the fact that there's not but like Eric. a, 
10 hours later earlier like we we have they they just right. throw us in there with no help at mm-hmm. all like you're saying i love it yeah and the only odd thing uh, is okay. is beverly being like this feels weird this feels like deja vu and it's it's subtle she kind of ignores it and goes on and doesn't matter yeah. and it's so perfectly played because that that builds of course over the course of all of these yeah. segments we see but it's right. the seed is there and again we don't really yeah. think about it until the second time yeah, because we do see a change later in the episode. In this one, she's like, I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, which could mean a lot of things. All right, so uh, <laughs> she's called away to sick bay. She has no concern about her winnings, by the way, <laughs> which may be calling question. It's fake money. Is this really poker? It's fake money. Are you, ga- are you really gambling? Why not just always go all in? Well, in Star Trek Four, they say there's you. no money anyway, don't they? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, they shouldn't be betting chips. It should be like, you know, you're going to clean my room. <laughs> Take some extra hours. Little slips of paper. You have something that yeah. costs. Right. Mr. Mom, here's so, $10 off uh, this lasagna. <laughs> right. So uh, she just walks away from all our winnings off to sick bay um, to uh, examine Jordy, who has an inner ear infection. Uh, and this is where Bev, uh, first, she's like, whoa, this seems uh like we've really uh, we've experienced this before like have and yes have you ever been sick he's like no i don't think this has ever happened um so it's just setting it up not a whole lot there uh and then we cut to the next scene which i call uh mrs nasty mouth because bev has a little thimble of drink um and she goes right to bed <laughs> and it's 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 telegraphed to me at least that this was like a, a boozy kind yeah. of con- concoction, and uh, she's sipping on it, and then she's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go right to bed." You know, she doesn't brush her teeth, no oh. mouthwash, nothing to rinse it off. She's just, you know, I'm gonna have a drink and go to sleep. <laughs> Eric. Maybe it's creme de menthe. Oh. Just listen to the alcohol. Boozy and mouthwash. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I called this section, because uh, I know how you love to title things, I called this one self-care. <laughs> <laughs> man, she breaks that glass. I love that motif and how it continues yes. to. It's really, I mean, just sometimes when you have an a, a inelegant glass that's going to fall down all the time, it's going to fall down all the time no matter what you do to change it. Right. Well, and I love that this that's consistent, but different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every scene we go back to it, it's there is a change, um, and you know, and by this by the second time, I was like, okay, is there something with the book? Mm-hmm. She's putting the book down differently. Is the book the problem? Is there some kind of magic book here? Uh, uh, that didn't come to pass. I did love that she likes to prune orchids. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, a very nice tell about the character because orchids are a notoriously finicky plant. It takes a lot of, you know, it, you have to give it attention. Um, and, and that that's a hobby of hers. It's nice that they just put it in there without laboring on it. Um, so I... I don't recall ever seeing them before or again, but as we all know, that doesn't mean anything because I don't remember anything. I <laughs> love uh, her decor in this scene, I will say. Like the the way that uh, Crusher's quarters look, I'm like, that's Beverly Crusher's quarters. Like I, 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 it wasn't the same when she was sharing it with Wesley, I don't think. Like there was not a lot of personality right. in it, but this one just definitely very much felt like she had made it her own. And I love that we, we get to see that part of it. It's like when my mom painted the house pink when I moved to college, and I had to explain to her that I would have been delighted to live in a pink house before I <laughs> before I left. <laughs> but uh, you know, she was happy. Little pink houses for you yep. and me. 
Uh, and I don't know if you guys noticed this with that scene. Uh, it was one continuous shot. Mm -hmm. Opens with her oh, trimming. Wow. Uh, and it's one camera shot as she goes all the way to bed and then knocks over, um, knocks over that glass. I thought it was a little weird, though, that she was wearing the... The little bow thing in her hair. <laughs> it just seemed a little, uh, especially when she's talking to Picard Take. later. That's what I. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. She changes everything, gets into full formal uniform—not formal, but full uniform. Except she keeps the uh, the head thing up. Love it. Yeah. It was cute. Uh, um, okay. Counting. So then, uh, right after the that room, we go into our first ready room episode uh, uh, scene of the episode. Bev, uh, Bev reveals that she heard voices. So, so that was that disembodied voice that woke her up uh, in her quarters. Um, and of course, Troy didn't sense anything. So everything must be fine, right? Um, <laughs> I groaned out loud so, like, just like, oh! Because it's doing her dirty, right? Like, yeah, I, like right. because one thing that I was relieved about immediately was that there were 10 other people who experienced it. So we weren't going into another, like you're the crazy one episode yeah, where we right. watch Bev, you know, um, <laughs> spiral. Uh, but I was so frustrated for yeah. Marina Sirtis, just that she was given that line when clearly when we're in the bridge, she's like, we got to get out of here. Like yeah, even during the first time. So like she, yeah. Yeah, I, and anyway, it's, it's bad not writing, a big deal. Right? It's like, just bad just, writing. Just flip it. Like, I sensed many distress. Like, why did she not sense anything? It it, it makes her look bad, yeah. the character. Uh, all right. And then, so the, the meeting is interrupted. Uh, Worf reports unusual readings off the starboard bow. Uh, <laughs> and then he says, it's a highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. Let's and go towards to it. To me, this... Yeah, well, and this statement came off a bit cavalier to me. Like, that's a big statement. Like, highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. You don't <laughs> run into the space-time continuum just anywhere. Right? It's like, cute. just running into it at all is like, hey, there's a space-time continuum, guys. This is a big deal. Not like, you know. Well, a full, there. a full quarter of the tactical station is dedicated to one little flashing light that <laughs> says temporal <laughs> distortion <laughs> in the space-time continuing. <laughs> there might be some Terminators uh, here. Um, yes. Yeah, no, and I thought the whole time, even in the later episode, uh, parts of the episode where there, no one is ever like, this is what it is. Like, don't, like, well, let's just not even go towards it at all. But they all, you know, continue to just do their jobs and try to investigate everything. I'm always like, huh. Right. Well, and again, like we said in a couple of a couple episodes ago, when um, the the alien race was able to like wash their brains out, uh, like shouldn't we like mark this as not only be careful weird stuff happens, but also send a bunch of scientists here so we can figure out how we can harness the ability to loop in time or go forward or back in time uh, and study this. Uh, this uh, localized distortion of the space-time continuum. <laughs> it's right here, guys. This is the space-time continuum. Like, it's a great it's something you do on spring break. You're like, where are you guys going? Space-time continuum. Back in time. I haven't seen it. It's really cool. <laughs> Going to go take in a Huey Lewis in the News concert. <laughs> uh, okay, so then we see what caused the destruction in the opening sequence. The, the highly localized distortion opens up 
and another ship zooms out and crashes into the starboard nacelle, causing the Enterprise to go boom. And guess who finally senses something? <laughs> this is where she senses it. Like, now we're in trouble, guys. <laughs> we need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. So what about this, E, guys? Like, it opens up out of the big marshmallowy looking space-time continuum, uh, and we get this old-looking starship again coming out, and it crashes into us, into the Enterprise. It blows up. And we see a different kind of – it blows up again, a different angle, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. They only have like 30 seconds to figure out what to do. Yes, 36 seconds. 36 seconds. Yet, I found it interesting that they weren't like, that's an old fucking ship. What is that old <laughs> fucking ship doing coming towards us? That's like an older model enterprise, right? Like that there's no right. sort of immediate recognition of of meeting yourself. <laughs> I, I agree. And just for the people who might be geeking out about it, I actually clocked it. From the time he says we have 36 seconds, because I was like, that's a that's not a lot of time, especially when uh, Picard's like uh, suggestions. suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it doesn't even take 36 seconds. It crashes in before that. Oh. And I thought they had like there's like two or three suggestions thrown out in that very short amount of time. Uh, Eric, this is one of the things that has bothered me since I was a little baby boy. And it's the, you know, the RDR, the red digital readout. The easiest fucking thing in the world is to do like six lines. Have them say, you know, you've only got 36 seconds. And then we'll say, you've only got 32 seconds. And it'll take seven minutes to have him do that line 20 times. And then the last thing you put in when you edit is the correct fucking amount. That's all you got to do. And then those of us who clock it will be defeated because it will be correct, yes. and nobody ever we'll fucking does them. it. Yes, we'll celebrate them, and it will now be called uh, the Eric measurement. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jimmy. It's canon. The little kids who had that exact same thought uh, made a little show called Twenty Four just for you, right? Dip boop, right? Only, only on Twenty Four, they should have for every commercial break had him stop and walk into a bathroom. And in the very bottom left corner, they just show the door of that bathroom so that when you come back from the commercial break, he opens the door and comes back out. Or kept his I'm mic right. on and have it be done like naked gun yes. style. And just <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. We digress. We come back from the break and everything is okay again. Uh, and Picard lets us know that the ship is entering into some kind of expanse. Uh, this is the second time he's brought it up. Uh, and I replayed this a couple of times. I could not understand what he was saying. It sounded like he was saying tightwad expanse to me. Um, so, Kate, tell us uh, all about the tightwad expanse. Ah, <laughs> oh, the tightwad expanse. Uh, yes, of course. Um, that is uh, the uh, thing where uh, when you're looking for new underwear, um, when you're, you have expanded, uh, you're looking for the tightwad expanse. Um, it's just a little bit of, uh, of fabric that you put into your already existing underwear. It's like a gusset, really. It's really just a gusset. All the hand gestures. All the hand gestures. Yes, I was. Listeners, you didn't see the, 
You didn't get to appreciate that, listeners, but it was uh, actually a material. Yeah. <laughs> Stuffing the gusset into one's own underwear. A material? I thought it was triple X material. Ooh. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're back into the poker scene. Um, uh, but this time, Riker has a feeling, mm. and so he folds. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, and then uh, Bev is called again to uh, check on Jordy. So what about this scene, guys? It, it is shot a little differently, um, and we get that that sort of focus on Riker with a camera, and that's where he's like, and he's not being snotty like before, where he was like, well, better safe than sorry or whatever. He's like, <laughs> I feel like I should quit while I'm ahead. But he's not like, it's not like that, oh, I got a good, I, from my gut's telling me. It's like uh, almost troubling. He's like, yeah. mm, I feel like I should quit my head and I'm a little disconcerted that yeah. I feel that way almost you know what, what what do you guys think well he and Beverly make eye contact right after that in in a very meaningful way right where it's this you're right it's not that like kind of oh weird I just had deja vu right like it's yeah. the like oh shit like something is disconcerting yeah um, right. unease uh yeah. is, is is the feeling there as well as when she gets called away because you could tell she was like Oh, that feels like part of it as well. Good stuff. And I, I, I didn't notice the different angles, but as you're mentioning it now, Jimmy, yes, of course, he starts, uh, director Frakes starts using the exact same material, same lines, but making sure that we're shot in a different way. It gets way more obvious later on because he starts running out of normal shots. <laughs> that he can <laughs> yeah. But I love it. Yeah. I love well, it. We'll get- yeah. We'll get that. They, they actually use what's called the Dutch shot. It, it was originally called a Deutsch shot, um, and it was uh, something that German cinema uh, uh, innovated, where they would use the camera in a way to make the audience feel the disconcerting hmm. uh, nature of the scene. So either low shots going up, and this also there is plays of this called the Hitler shot, where you make a shorter person looked taller by the way you angle the camera. Yeah. Uh, and then a whole little series of shots came off there. So, I mean, this is a guy who really dipped into the bag and used these tricks not just to use them, but because they advanced the story he wanted. So uh, intelligently employed trick shots, I think. Um, so we leave the, the the poker scene. We go back to the sick bay, and this is the same, exact same scene, but it's shot from a different angle. Um, and this time now, Jordy is feeling like he he's this is deja vu. And in fact, not just deja vu. He's like, I think I have had an inner ear infection, but I can't remember. And it's not like me knowing I've seen the show but not remembering. <laughs> His is more of like, I feel like I've had it, but I can't remember that I've had it. And that's weird that I have no recollection of that. Um, and um, I don't remember if this is a scene. We also see the eye contraption. But we don't Not know yet. what happened. Because that also what's happening with Frakes is doing He's layering the scene. So, like, he'll shoot one whole scene, but we only see part of it. And then we'll go back and we'll see kind of what happened just a little bit before mm-hmm. what took place in the scene Je, you know, prior that's constantly reframing it, both in the shots, but yeah. also uh, uh, giving you a more of the picture of the right things that were too. only referred to. You now get to see right, um, uh, and then we're back to the mouthwash scene, scene right away. 
Um, and hopefully this time that she's going to brush her teeth, but she doesn't. <laughs> she's still, that part of the, the time loop is the same. She never brushes her teeth, even though she drinks every time. Um, the, the sequence <laughs> of events is slightly different. This time, uh, this time uh, when Bev uh, lays down, she puts the book back. So before, she put the book back and then sat down. Now she lays down. Uh, and we see the book land off camera, or she's off camera. She puts that book down, and that's where I'm like, "Ooh, it's the book," because they focus on the book. Like, there's something about the book, <laughs> some kind of super being in it, some alien. Uh, and then they, she hears the voices again. She's like, "I'm gonna call Picard." So she calls Picard. She says, "You know, I need to, uh, I need to come see you." Uh, and she goes to uh, Bacard's uh, ready room where he's in the nice all black. So good. I'd love to see that more. Like, I'd be like, can I get the all black? Like, can I just wear that? <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down. Um, it is sexy on him, too. Like, he it's, wears it's it smooth. very well. Right? Like, this is nice. I thought they were going to smash. Um, I, I wrote no better proof of smashing than how close Bacard sits to Beth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might as well just kiss on the mouth. Well, and I'm <laughs> saying goodbye. Am I right? To, okay. Am I right that when she calls him, she says Captain da 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 da, and then she says Jean Luc, can I talk to you? Yes, yeah, which exactly. is like awesome, right? Because it indicates not only um, the severity of what you know, like it's sort of like a I need to talk to you, right? Like I don't need to talk to the captain right now. I need to talk to you. And he's like, my ready room yeah. is always ready. <laughs> with steamed milk that's so sweet yes from his aunt it was his aunt's recipe yeah and the, and these are uh, this is one of the episodes that's really good to rewatch. and I had to sort of go back for scenes because I was taking notes um, and uh, you see the exact same line delivered very differently because um, in these first few scenes when McCard says something, he's kind of, he's almost jovial about it. Uh, and then later we see the exact same scenes, but there's um, there's a graveness mm. to the way they're delivered. Um, uh, so they don't come up with any, you know, they don't know what's happening uh, in this scene. She tells him I'm hearing things uh, and it's not just me hearing things like there was a voice in the room coming from somewhere uh so Picard orders up some diagnostics um and then nothing comes of those diagnostics they do look into them uh and then there were, were then we're right back into the shit so they're on the bridge things are going sideways um and this also plays out uh a bit differently and Bev knows something is off just a bit sooner like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't take her as long she's like almost right away she's like I know something's going to happen here. I can feel it. Um, uh, I love, then, yes, again, at the great. explosion, it's a different explosion from a different shot. How awesome must it have been to be the VFX guys on this? We're like, we get to blow up the ship multiple times. Yes. <laughs> How fun. Well, because this one, they show the bridge engulfed in flames. It's terrible, right? Like, it's 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 just... But also, I did notice in this round uh, how good Ensign Rose's new haircut is. Ooh. I hadn't Ooh. noticed it before, but in this little roundabout, I noticed. Kate, what? my first line for the scene is on the bridge. We have to ask, does Roe have a new do? <laughs> Looking good. It hit me to say it was like, bro. And I was like, and then I thought back to uh, uh, the outcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, 
you're not as hot now as I thought you were because Ro does the bowl cut. She's slamming. It's the sexiest bowl cut ever. Uh, okay, so then, you know, everything goes boom, boom, boom. The Enterprise blows up again. We start back over. We have the captain's log. Uh, and I, <laughs> this time, I'm like, what the hell is he saying? What kind of expanse is this? I heard typhoid expanse. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, tell us about the typhoid expanse. Uh, the typhoid expanse is the area of time when you might be exposed to typhoid, but you don't yet know that you have it. Um, and so that expanse is uh, documented by medical journals uh, from 1972. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you for enlightening us. Okay. Uh, after that, um, we are into the poker scene again, where everybody experiences a little pre-science, because prescience is too hard to say, <laughs> uh, except for data. Uh, and uh, Worf is also starting to remember, um, and I forget what he says, but he has, you know, the, the Klingon word for a déjà vu. I believe it's uh, cock block. <laughs> cock block? No, cock block. <laughs> Oh. Uh, all right, so what do you guys think about this? I mean, it's a, it's a slightly different retelling of the poker scene. What I love about this one is uh, Beverly starts calling out the cards like they did last time, and then Worf joins her, and then Riker joins her. Like, that. there's this, like, as it's going along, there's this horrific, and it's not, we've talked about this, it's not like, oh my God, this is so cool, we all know the things. It's this horrific realization that they all know the numbers and what does it mean yeah there's right. there's a real yeah. cosmic kind of dread you know mm -hmm. it's nice it's really nice it feels yeah. it feels like a like a ouija board right they're like there's no real way that this should have happened the way it happened um i also love that they talk about the klingon nilpo or whatever it is um and then they make a little joke about that and then that is shown throughout in the in the pre, in the subsequent ones too right where there's not only patterns that have existed the whole time there's new patterns and then those repeat a little bit so it shows that you can change and alter these yeah. these things a little bit so as an audience member it gave us hope that they could one day evolve out of this problem yeah right well and it, 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 i think this is one right where bev uh we get uh bev calls like hey is jordy there no and then jordy walks in yeah what? Alyssa's like, he uh, just walked in. What the hell? Um, and then Jordy, uh, there's a little bit of funny business going on with Jordy's uh, uh, visor. Um, and it provides uh, a little clue, but only to us, the audience, not the crew yet, uh, mainly because we still have 20 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, this is the detail uh, I remembered from this episode, which was that it was his visor picking up echoes of previous yeah. things that for some reason that was the concept that latched onto my brain. And when it came up here, I was like, Oh shit, it's because he's seeing all time and all things happening at once, but that's why he has this headache. And that's why he's having these symptoms that don't have any medical thing. Uh, I, I love that. And when it's finally expressed and figured out, it's like, Oh yeah, it's satisfying. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's like taking that, um, having flashbacks, but, and then, you know, truck, no babbling it. Yeah. Uh, which is always fun. Uh, and this is one of those scenes where we see, like, right now we see that little um, U-shaped 
uh, uh, visor device there, but we don't know what's happening with it because they're just talking. And but later we're going to revisit it, and it's actually a few minutes before the scene we saw, right? And we can see how it's actually working, which is like it's really fun how they revisit, but then maybe show us a little bit more or a little bit less of that scene. Uh, so we get more information or less. Uh, so Frakes and the writing crew, I thought, did a great job with how do you rehash these and make them feel new. Um, and, and speaking of that, we go back to Bev's quarters, um, and she's flipping the script. The thimble goes on a different table instead of her side table, uh, and the censors pick up something strange. So, And she actually records the voices she gets her her tricorder out and she's recording the voices um and jordy's also hey you know we recorded something weird too uh at this uh at the same time um but the thimble still breaks yeah when she's leaving so in every scene she's always breaking the thimble she can't uh break free from it. and i was like oh something with a thimble because her thimble's the one that's she can't escape from that it has something to do <laughs> with this time loop <laughs> I love that it's her jacket. Like, right, she's got her, her she's got to have her lab coat on, and she brings it with her. But that's the thing that knocks over the thing. Also, I think this is the first time I realized that a tricorder can actually record things. It's like a recorder. <laughs> but it's a tricorder. It's a quarter. I never thought of that until just now. Sure. We can record three things, right? <laughs> <laughs> three, three, three. Three. Now we know a sound, <laughs> body measurements, maybe like you know, heart rate and all that. We'll have to start tracking that. Uh, uh, so we go from there. Beb goes right to engineering. Um, and then we get some tantalizing tidbits here. There is now on top of our uh, uh, space-time continuum, we have a Decaon field distortion. Mm-hmm. And the voices are actually from the crew of the Enterprise. What? What? What else a do you get from a Decaon field? overlapping. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess I mean if you're you know if you're a science guy everyone knows that's obvious. I was a surprise to me though. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first act break uh, that doesn't end in an explosion, which made me weirdly uncomfortable. I was like, oh wait, are they gonna are they already gotten out of it? No. Is yeah, no, that makes that I, I missed that. You're right. It was, and it was a different scene too, right? We had, we had not seen the engineering room yet, so they're adding something new, yeah. which now will is now joining in the loop. Um, so that brings us to the temporal causality loop, Ooh. Hmm? Mm. which looks a lot like an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now the crew is caught up with the audience, uh, and we get a lot of great Trechnobabble here explaining, uh, you know, what's going on and how the and a great graphic too with the Enterprise going around and just suck through the middle of the avocado right back to the beginning. Yeah. Ooh. Um, uh, and it's at this point, guys, that I prematurely wet my pants. So thanks for listening. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. All that Trechnobabble just got to me in the the graphic. I was like, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you keep comparing it to an avocado, the without doubt sexiest fruit. Well, and don't forget that Data mentions that at least five couples were having sexy times when he was listening in (laughs) 
Get to the point. The sounds. <laughs> Which makes Picard very unconscious. Yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> it was not me and Beverly. It wasn't Bev and I, no matter what you say. <laughs> that line would have been so much worse without the at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> like that shit makes exactly it. How many... <laughs> that makes it innocent if it was exactly it was well like, and it could have been an odd number of people and he's not sure how to make that into a thing <laughs> like it's amazing so good uh, alright so the crew decides they need to memento data <laughs> uh, but instead of a tattoo they're gonna you know do some, some kind of subconscious thing so that maybe he can carry an information back into the loop and they'll know um, so talk about meta. I mean, <laughs> they're going deep, deep here. Uh, and on the bridge, the crew tries to steer clear of the collision, but they go boom again. But this time, Data has some kind of typing machine on his arm, <laughs> uh, and he's typing something away in there. Uh, and it's at this point, I was like, this seems a lot like uh, the Kobayashi Maru test. It was like, they, no matter what they do, uh, they can't do what, the thing that will save the ship. Mm. Uh, it's impossible. So the answer is you need Kirk to come in and cheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back. To, <laughs> we're back to, you know, the Enterprise breaks up. We're back into space. Uh, and now we're in the Typhoon Expanse. <laughs> Eric, tell us about the Typhoon Expanse. The Typhoon Expanse was the world's longest water slide. And the problem with it I mean, as you would expect in a water slide that is in Philadelphia, <laughs> is that at least one out of every three passengers was launched into the moon. Because at the bottom, wow. instead of going into a big pool of water, they thought they would leap like a, a, a little uh, pond, like you're playing golf and trying to get across it. But instead... They put rocket skates at the bottom so that once yes. the kids would hit and the rocket skates would be activated, it would uh, give you terminal velocity and escape velocity at the same time. Terminal not because it doesn't get bigger, but because you are dead. Wow. <laughs> it is amazing that this uh, went past one person. <laughs> well, the, the the initial fatalities were all in the R and D phase, and they decided to ignore them. <laughs> These were expendable crew members. Yes, red shirts, if you will, colloquially. Uh, all right, red shirts. Uh, all right, so Warp experiences Nepaw again. So a little uh, more pre-science, if you will. <laughs> Uh, uh, but the cards are different this time. Uh, they're Delta three, and then they're all Delta three of a kind. So Data has, in fact, stacked the deck. Yeah. Although maybe subconsciously, but still, as uh, Riker is afraid, but thankfully he is cheating. I thought that was a throwaway <laughs> joke that Riker was doing all along, and it all makes sense. It, he needs to have said that each time for it this to work, and it makes uh, logical story sense in my brain so much that I love it. Yeah, and, and you know, so Bev doesn't sense that Jordy's going to be sick this time, um, and it's all it's it, it's all similar 
but different enough. And it's at this point, I was like, this is really disorienting and it's fun. Like I feel maybe a bit like what the characters might have felt like with what the heck is going on here. Uh, so I really loved what Frakes is doing with uh, the, the way he's changing up these scenes. Um, and then there's something different about Jordy's visor when we do get to sick bay. Um, it's a different bit of information from a scene we saw earlier. Last time we saw the eye contraption, but not the contraption in use. Uh, and then we get to see the little light beams going in there, which was super fun. Uh, uh, and then the line the card has about the subspace scan is the same. So, you know, he, he's like, oh, yeah, we'll take this information. And, and this is what I was saying. Like before, he was like kind of jovial. He was like, we'll do a, a subspace scan. Don't worry about it. Uh, and this time... He says, let's do subspace scan, but it's grave. He's like, we'll do, he's serious about it. Like there's something big, let's make sure we get look into this. So again, the same, but different and a lot of fun. Um, Kate, please. Well, cause they have a great little uh, interstitial scene in between where she's doing the uh, the visor work. And then we see Picard reading his book and being like, what? I've read, right. I've read this part before, <laughs> like thumbing yes. through it. So finally, it's hit the old man, right? <laughs> so right. now, when he comes to sick bay, he's like, "Oh, yes. right." And now that I am in my late forties, we'll say, uh, probably older than Picard was at this point, I would not think there's anything weird about me picking up a book and not being able to find at all where the fuck I'm right. supposed to start. Even if I had only set it down like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's he's not that weirded out by it at first, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, completely uh, plausible that he would have picked up a book that he'd read before and been like deja vuing it. Yes. Uh, and he was in repose in his nice black uh, <laughs> uniform. Uh, okay. So, uh, and this is where I really was like, wow, wh whatever's happening with these scenes is, is super cool. Like I hadn't noticed really uh, with clarity until this point of how they were doing the exact same thing, but with slightly uh, delivering the line slightly differently as well. And not just that, you, um, again, the shots are so wonky by this point. Like he's yeah. run out of different like three quarters and close ups and blah, blah, blah. He's doing shots. Uh, I think even in the, co yes. in the conference room scene, that's exactly. all like top down yep. and all these things where you're like, now it, it, I didn't even think about it from the emotional angles that you were talking about, Jimmy, but it does. It feels really even more disconcerting because this is different from the way, not even Star Trek is shot, but like other, you know, multi-camera dramas are shot. Yeah. Like it just feels like, oh, this is, this is not the, what we are used to seeing. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right. This scene, the very next scene is the uh, the ready room, and it starts off with a really high angle. So we see them all around the table. And I think it, I'm pretty sure at the very beginning, Worf wasn't in the ready room because he's the one who calls in that there's uh, something funny with yep. this off of the starboard uh, uh, nacelle. Uh, and then now he's in the ready room, and it's Ro who makes that call into uh, to interrupt the, the meeting. Um, and, you know, and then with the big, the, the, the number three is the one that comes up a lot and they're trying to like what it, what it could all mean. Um, and then, 
Kate. I just want to say there's a tiny little moment where they're calling Beverly to see if she's okay to get to the ready room and you hear the glass breaking. Yes. And they say, are you okay? And she's like, fine. <laughs> like, you know, like yes. you can just hear. And it's just such a brilliant way to, to touch upon a scene that we've seen a million times by this point, but it's still happening in its own way. Right. I love it. And that the, the pause is just perfectly timed. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just long enough for you to go. Like she's going, just motherfucking shit. Fuck, fucking, fuck, fine. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And she's drunk. <laughs> she's been sipping on her thimble uh, and now brushing her teeth. Uh, all right, then we're back on the bridge, and it's three pips for the win. So Riker went with Data because, of course, you're going to take Data's idea above anybody else's. But it was Riker's idea all along about decompressing the main shuttle bay uh, and that giving it a little bump to push them off enough to avoid the collision. That's what the three was all about. Uh, Data does it. It works. And they miss the ship. Eric. And it wouldn't have worked if the inertial dampeners hadn't been failing, which is one of the first things they talk about in each of those, right? Like, that's the whole point of the inertial mm. dampeners is to stop shit like that from happening. So, like, this stupid little wonderful babble thing that you track all the way through the episode uh, pays off right there. It's neat. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then we learn that uh, they have been in this time loop for 17 days. Oof. Um, and, uh, this is where we, we, we see, um, Fraser Crane show up, uh, uh, with this ship that was, has been out of service for 80 years. And so this is where it's not really clear. Have they been in the loop for 80 years? They, they left three weeks ago. So to them, they're just in three weeks into their mission. Um, and then they hit this, uh, this, um, space-time continuum the tear in it uh and they're catapulted into the future and they never make clear and i read two different takes on this on the interwebs one where it's like they were shot through into the future um and another one was like it seems like maybe they were in a loop for 80 years um until but if they were then were they crashing into a different ship or were they just looping it seems to me like maybe they went into the loop my I, my canon is they were on their sh their three week tour. They hit this time loop and immediately came through and hit the Enterprise, and they've been in the time loop for seventeen days as well. Hmm. Um, but still, there's this other thing that we've seen this season a couple of times where something pretty traumatic happens, um, and they don't blow it off here. Picard says, "Like Captain, maybe you need to come aboard and and we can talk." Uh, but this is a really big deal. These guys are 80 years into the future. Maybe they won't be going back. In the space can, in the canyon of Enterprise, uh, in Star Trek, they don't. Uh, in fact, um, uh, Captain uh, Bateson actually has some, is in the books and stays in this timeline and has uh, some stories where he does some things. Um, so their family like they're disconnected like their family's old like that life is gone for all these people um and you know we don't have time to deal with that because we had a great episode of having to deal with what was really big but you know like 
maybe if we would have seen this <laughs> again, his character, or it comes back up, like just to know, like, hey, what happened to those guys who shot 80 years uh, into the future? And also, you know, we have the temporal casualty loop. Uh, they're in the portal for, um, or, or we have the number three that comes up all the time. They were, uh, their ship, uh, the Bozeman was in this loop, or they, they, they were three weeks into their tour, so we have three hmm. everywhere. Three. Is this because of the same thing, like the, the same thing that Data was doing, or is this like some nod to Gilligan's Island? Like what's going on <laughs> with the, the three weeks and, and all the threes? Well, three is a magic number. It's, I've heard that. It's a magic number. All right, so what do you guys think about um, meeting the captain? I mean, besides our feelings about the, the character... Uh, actor. You know, the actor who's playing the character. What about just meeting this new captain, Eric? I love the idea of the captain. I love the idea that he continues in canon. And I'm sorry, but I have to say it. If it weren't stunt casting, we could have seen him again. Hmm. Oh, I see what you mean. Because it was Kelsey Grammer, that was too big to bring back. Yeah, because and because it's not on, you know, he, his show was on NBC, and this show was in syndication. They're not going to lend out their biggest star, you know, one of their biggest stars, to do a recurring thing at this particular point in time. Like, it, right. you know. Was that on? Uh, was it Cheers on at that time? Cheers was still on, was yeah. Frazier, Cheers was still on for another uh, okay. year and a half, and Frasier started, I think, the next year, 93, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 93 to 04. Yeah. Um, but Cheers went through 94, I think, 82 to 94. Greg. Um, I love this captain because he's so clueless. Uh, he has no idea what happened. He has, he's a little bit pompous. He's like, your ship's unfamiliar to us. Uh, can you tell me about your ship? And he, he seems like he's the big boss man, and it's not a um, trope we have seen in a while on, on uh, Star Trek Next Generation. I think there were some of the earlier episodes where the admirals would come in, and they'd be all, like, brassy. And uh, so it's nice to have that kind of return, especially that he is uh, 80 years from the past. And Kirk's era, everybody who's a Star Trek fan will, will recognize those, uh, you know, the, the uniforms immediately, and I was immediately thinking of the, the movies and how it connected here. My headcanon is that because of his pomposity, they were also in a time loop for 80 years, and no one didn't have anyone smart enough on their cr crew to figure <laughs> it out. And they've been trapped for 80 years just doing the same day over and over and over again, and it shows... But they all learned to play the piano, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but it shows the exceptional quality of the crew of the Enterprise, that they were the ones who were able to to deduce their way out of this problem, and uh, Hammer and his jerkosity was not able to. Kate. I love that it is such a um, little nod and a wink to people who have uh, been watching Trek for a long time, that the moment those... Uh, uniforms come up i'm transported right like yeah. i immediately know oh my god these guys are from the past i know i know about when they're from like it's very visceral it's very familiar and at the same yeah. time um disconcerting right because you know that that shouldn't be happening um it's really it's really nicely done and it is just a nice nod 
um, and a really good reuse of resources too. So the <laughs> recycler in me is also happy. <laughs> yeah. It's environmental. And not only do you know, Kate, that it you know it's from T or from TOS, you know it's from TOS movies. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's when those came in. You're like, ooh, they got new uniforms. They're fancy. <laughs> right. Because as soon as you said Kirstie Alley, they were trying to get her. That's the first person I thought of when I saw grammar which you know is part of it but like i don't know right. it's just it's so smart well it's so and here's my only thing about the captain and it's because of something that and it ties into what gray gets it too 80 years we know like we as the audience know where that is but i feel like the captain should have known as well and that's some of the pomposities like he has a smaller class ship mm. and as soon as he saw the enterprise like even if you say the enterprise like whoa that's not what the enterprise looks yeah. like Everybody knows what the Enterprise looks like, and everybody knows who the captain of that starship is. So what's going on here, buddy? You know, like, that that was something that was maybe missed, or maybe I'm not understanding the timeline. Mm. Like, maybe there was some, some research on that from their end. They're like, no, this is slightly after the Kirk era, and it's that time period where the Enterprise was, you know, in a down turn and they're like re retrofitting it so it wasn't out there but he should have known like that's not what a starship or even even if that's the case he should have known that's not what a starship looks like like the shape and the way it looks like we don't have ships that look like that where where uh, are the anyways, sharp angles where are the <laughs> angles exactly yeah exactly uh all right so that was our episode of cause and effect. We're going to go around the horn. Eric, uh what are you going to give this thing, man? Well, I did say earlier I was going to give it a 10. So. He did. I'm going to give it 10 10s. Um, I, I think this is an unbelievably cool episode. I, I'm not going to go on record and say it's my very favorite, but it's one of them. Um, you know, I, I have issues with it, as I do, I think, with probably all of them. But I, I find it very easy to overlook them and just admit that I had a ball with this one. The 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 fact and we've talked about it that Jonathan Frakes is the director on this knows his fellow actors knows what the actors will have fun doing knows you know like Jimmy pointed out that long uh, tracking and dolly shot uh, is what it looked like in um, uh, Beverly's room like how it's fun it's much more fun to fill a long series of actions all one after the other both for the audience and for the actor and uh, you can tell that he wanted to to give his uh, castmates some some really juicy stuff to chew on on this uh, when he got the chance. And I'm just I'm all for it. So ten tens. All right, Greg. What about you? I also love this episode. I am gonna give it nine and a half clipped flowers that make me think about wistful times <laughs> in the past. Um, it's fantastically directed. Uh, the shots that we've been mentioning again were really fascinating and interesting. It is uh, decent performances. I don't say like the acting was was like necessarily um, the focus for me for this one, but it was interesting how they delivered these different lines, and it didn't feel too stale. Uh, I, I do dock it a point fifth of uh, or you know a, a half of a point only because. I feel like they wasted that 36 seconds of replaying the, the stuff leading up to the explosion. Um, 
a little bit. I think I would have just cut some of that. It was just it was just the fifth time I saw those same lines delivered in pretty much the exact same way. I kind of was over it, uh, uh, and I think they could have saved a little bit more time and given us a little bit more of what happened um, to the Bozeman uh, with that time. Um, but I have to admit, I actually really love how this episode ends and that Picard doesn't do what everybody in the audience knows he's going to do, which is say, this is what year it is. You've been trapped 80 years in the past. I know, you know, but we know that it's coming and we know we can imagine that scene, though, how it's going to play out based on the character information that we have here. So it's really, really satisfying to keep us guessing and filling in the blanks like the uh, like at the audience we were we were doing the entire time with this episode. So super fun, super sci-fi. Seems like something that could only ha- uh, exist in this genre, which is why I love it. And it is expertly done by, by Frakes and the rest of his, his team in this one. So kudos all around. All right, Miss Kate. I am going to give this uh, three to the power of three. Uh, so n- nine plus <laughs> 0.75, which is uh, three different sections of 0.25. So I'm giving this 9.75, but everything is in threes. Don't worry about it. I did the math. <laughs> um, and I'm only out. taking that 0.25 away uh for Kelsey Grammer. And it's partly because, fuck that dude. Um, I actually wrote down <laughs> as Eric in that moment, uh, Kelsey Grammer, fuck that dude. Because uh, I knew that that's what Eric was yelling at his television. Yeah. Um, but but it's not because it's, it's not because it's him as much as it is having that stunt casting, right? Like we talked about it. It just, it was, it, it took what was a fantastic fucking episode and to me, cheapened it just a tiny little bit at the end because it was also because I didn't need that sort of like um, to be taken out of that moment by going like, oh, because I started doing math in my head. Like, was Cheers up? Was this his first? Did he ask to do <laughs> right. this? Like, all these things are going through my brain instead of focusing on the end of what was a brilliant episode. Um, so I give it minus 0.25 for that. Uh, but it's just so well done and so um unique still even though there are a lot of stories that have been told since this and there were a lot of stories that were told before this that deal with time and causality and temporal loops i just feel like the way this particular episode is structured still felt new to me in 2024 um it didn't feel hackneyed or sort of i i wasn't um I wasn't bothered by those 36 seconds the way Greg was. Uh, Like, I get it. I I think we could have moved past those. But I was so into every moment of this episode, um, trying to figure out what was happening in real time and trying to go along. But at the same time, trying to surrender to the the experience, right? Um, And it was just refreshing. I'm really, um, I'm so glad that Jonathan Frakes turned into a director and a director worth his damn salt right like because it's a great fucking episode and one of my favorites and it happens to be um directed by you know a cast member which is fucking fantastic uh because not only did they foster that kind of environment um for their um for their creative folks um but they sort of opened the door for new ways of storytelling by allowing different perspectives i just uh i'm a fan of it uh and fuck that dude fuck that guy (laughs) 
yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, I start off at 9.5 thimbles of mouthwash. <laughs> but because of the terms distortion and space-time continuum, temporal causality loop, and decion field Ooh. distortion, I'm going to have to give it another half point and take it up to 10. Boom. Um, because we know if you listen to this podcast at all, I love the Treknababble and it is here on display. It is a masterclass in sci-fi-ness and Technobabble, Treknababble that is. Um, and it's, it's a brilliant take, I think. I'm not a big fan of time travel, and I love that this wasn't, you know, Kelvin timeline-esque or sacred timeline. Mm. It's just this temporal loop where they're going back. So it was a it was a nice new way of playing with that sci-fi trope. Um, do you need to watch it? No, because it doesn't actually inform TNG. But do you need to watch it to see one of your guys, Jonathan Frakes, as Kate just said, shine and really exercise his craft um showing you like what can a director bring to uh, a piece of art this the way he dealt with the actors and the way he dealt with the camera mm -hmm. to tell the story was fantastic it became an element and i loved all that he did with that and i think it's really cool to see uh, one of your ensemble cast step outside and really shine um, and for that reason, I think it's a must-watch episode. A 10 from me. Uh, and just like the middle of the episode, I've wet my pants again. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jonathan Frakes has got some big Decion energy in this, in this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Blue Sky and the site formerly known as Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge officers. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Curry is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is visible at gregtito.com and at Greg Tito on Twitter and Blue Sky. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Insta. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito, Kate Yeager, or Jimmy G. Logo artwork is by mojojojo underscore 97 on Twitter or mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we reengage. <laughs>